0: You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Let's go. It's gonna be a good night. Hey, before we get into the word, we're kicking off a brand new series tonight. It's gonna be awesome, but is it okay if I just get a little sappy with y'all for a second? Just a little sappy. Cause I just gotta let y'all know, I love you new song students. Somebody say, oh. No, for real though, I'm not playing. Like, I love you guys so much. You guys are amazing. And I sh- I've been thinking about this a lot this week, just chewing on in this, meditating on this. I think about this a lot, but man, we could be anywhere else right now. Like you could be at a different church right now. You could live in a different state. You could be with a totally different group of people right now. You could be alone in your room by yourself right now, but you're not, you're here. Like, God orchestrated all of this for all of us, all of our lives, to cross paths and for us to be a part of the same ministry together. And I don't know about you, but that just makes me feel really thankful for what God is doing in my life. Man, if if New Song students, if God has changed your life through New Song students, would you just give a shout of praise? Wave a hand in the air like you just don't care? Yes, man, I love you guys. I love you guys. I'm so proud of you. And I just want you to know, like, on the weekly, I'm hearing from all types of different people people on staff, random people that go to the church, just everybody is always raving about how amazing you guys are, New Song students, the way you worship Jesus so passionately, the way you carry yourselves, the way you serve. I see so many of you guys serving every single weekend, serving your hearts out, the way you guys pray first. I'm telling you, there's so many times I'm in the lobby and I just see students praying everywhere. It's amazing. I love you guys. I'm so proud of you. And so if you've been here for a long time now, you've made New Song students your home for a while, Just know I love you as your pastor. And if you're new, maybe you've only been here since like packed the house or just a little bit before that, I want you to know I love you too. You might be like, you don't really know me that well. That's kind of weird. No, I really do. And I want you to know if you're new to this family, I am excited for what God wants to do in your life because I know a lot of students in this room that I've known for, for years now. And the version of them that I know now looks so much more like Jesus than when I first met them, because they were bad. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. But we're all being transformed to look more like Christ, right? And I see so many of you guys that just look so much like Jesus. And so if you're new, man, I'm just excited for you, because I know that God wants to do the exact same for you in your life. If you you would like that in your life, would you just give me a big loud amen, amen? Okay, who's ready to kick off a brand new series tonight? Y'all ready? Okay, buckle up, get your notes, get your Bible out, get your phone, whatever you wanna do to take notes, follow along with me. We're gonna be jumping into a six-week series called The Classics. Look to your neighbor say, The Classics. So buckle up, y'all, because we are moving. We just came out of a short little mini two-week series. Why not us? It was so good, but we're going big for this next series. Six weeks, all about theology. We're gonna be taking a deep dive and a journey to learning the classics, the building blocks, the foundations of our Christian faith. We're gonna be brushing up on the fundamentals. Now, for those of you who are in the room, the things that we're gonna talk about in this series, it might not be new information to you. Like This this might be stuff that you hear on the daily. This is not new information to you, and if that's you, praise God. Because uh, you need to know that you're never too good to, to be in the, to be in the uh, foundations. Like, you never grow out of the basics as a believer. And so if this is not new information to you, if this is familiar to you, man, praise God, because all of us need to be familiar with these basics of theology. And if this is new information to you, praise God, because God is about to deepen your faith and deepen your walk with him. All the stuff we're gonna be talking about in this series is gonna be so beneficial for you and your journey if you're knowing, for knowing Jesus. And so... Do whatever you need to do, New Song students, for this to not be just a a collection of messages that just go in one ear and out the other. Do whatever you gotta do. Take notes, follow along with me, read along uh, the quotes. I got a lot of quotes for y'all tonight, some good stuff. I hope you're ready to take photos of the screen. You're gonna have a lot of photos of the screen tonight. But since this is the first week in a series, you've probably noticed that during the first week of a series, the message is always like a two-parter because we have to lay foundation for everything we're going to talk about. And then we also have to get into a specific topic. So this is a two-part message. I'm literally going to, at one point in the middle, just be like, part one, done. And then we'll move on to the next part. So I got two scriptures for us to start off with. Not just one. I got two scriptures because we got a two-parter tonight. So 1 Peter chapter 3. If you're taking notes, 1 Peter chapter 3. Here's what God's word says. Starting in verse 14, it says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, talking about the world, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honor Christ, the Lord is holy. This is where I want you to underline, circle if you've got a physical Bible. This is our our main verse for the series. Honor Christ as holy, always being prepared. Somebody say prepared. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. What is that scripture saying? That's saying this, people are gonna come at you and they're gonna look at your life, they're observing your life, and they're gonna say, hey, why do you believe in Jesus? Hey, why do you go to church every Wednesday? What's the big idea? Why are you not doing the things that all of your friends are doing at school? Scripture tells us you need to be prepared for those conversations. Are you prepared, New Song students? And look at this. When you're answering those people, do it with gentleness and respect. I love that. Don't have an argument. Gentleness, respect. Having a good conscience so that when, when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if it should be God's will than for doing evil. All right. That's our part one scripture. Who's ready for part two scripture? Let's go. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Starting in verse 16, this is what it says. All scripture, somebody say, all. all. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God or lady of God, where the lady's at? <laughs> this is talking about you too. The man and the women of God may be complete. Who wants to be complete? Me. I do may be complete, equipped for every good work. All right. I got two message titles for tonight. Two scriptures, two parts, two message titles. We're talking about the fundamentals, and we're going to be talking about the doctrine of God's word. All right? The fundamentals and the doctrine of God's word. But let's pray before we get into the message tonight. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here in this room. God, I thank you for your sweet presence in this space, God, that we got to worship you in this amazing room with this amazing family, the people of God. And now we get to sit under your word, Lord. And your your word says that your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Your word is food for our spirits. So, God, I pray that we would feast on your word tonight, that every single one of us, we would walk away and our spirits would be stronger because of tonight. Our spirits would be nourished because of tonight, and God, I pray that you would teach us the fundamentals of our faith so that we can have strong, sturdy walks with God. We can be prepared for those conversations that come when somebody sees our life and says, hey, why do you follow Jesus? We want to be prepared, so prepare us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, I'm going to hit you with my first point right out the gate tonight, point number one, if you're taking notes, there's power in the fundamentals. There's power in the fundamentals. There is power in the basics, the elementary things of life, the foundational things of life, the essentials. There's a lot of power in the things that are fundamental to basically anything. But here's the issue that most of us face with the, with the things called the fundamentals. If we're being honest, the basics are kind of boring, right? 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 Is it just me or do I think the basics are kind of boring? Like, think about it. Think about a sport you play. Think about a hobby you're interested in. If you've ever played on a sports team or been a part of extracurricular activity or practiced any type of hobby that you enjoy, you probably know what it means to think that the basics are kind of boring. Like, talk about you've got a football game. Nobody is like the, like, nobody's most excited for the stretching for the football game part of service, right? Or part of the game, right? You're not like super stoked about stretching because that's fundamental. That's boring stuff. I wanna to get to tackling. I wanna to throw touchdowns. That's what I wanna do. Maybe if you play an instrument, any instrument people, any musicians, any band nerds, maybe you play an instrument. How many of you know learning the scales are kind of boring? Scales are kind of boring. Like, I want to learn how to play music. I want to learn how to shred. I don't want to learn scales. Give me chords, right? Give me chords. That's because the basics are kind of boring, and and I understand this because some of you may know this about me, but I'm a drummer. I'm a drummer at heart. I've been drumming for a really long time. I'm, I'm 28 years old, and I've been drumming since I was 10 years old, so do the math. It's a long time. I started playing drums in middle school, when I joined the band. Now, I'm just curious. I know I already asked, but where are my band nerds? Because I feel for y'all, I feel for y'all. I was a band nerd. I joined percussion in middle school, so I started playing the drums. But also, my family has a long line of drummers. My dad is a drummer, my uncle is a drummer. And so when I got into middle school and I started playing the drums, my dad, he busted out his personal drum set. It was a Ludwig Rockers kit from the 80s. It was a beautiful drum set, so he takes it out of, of storage, puts it in our living room, and in middle school, I start learning how to play the drum set. I start tinkering around on this thing, and I'm learning how to keep a beat and stuff. Now, at this point in my life, I was pretty young, so I hadn't like, started acquiring my own taste for music yet, so I learned how to play drums playing the music that my dad listened to. So if you found me in middle school, I'd be in the living room, and I'd be jamming to the Doobie Brothers, <laughs> which y'all don't know who the Doobie Brothers are. But I'd be jamming to the Doobie Brothers. I'd be jamming to like Earth, Wind, and Fire, September. I'd I'd be jamming to September on that drum set. Just Little Jackson, just like, like, I was just jamming, learning the basics. So that's how I started. I started learning my dad's music but the more I got comfortable on the kit, the more I started to want to learn how to do more complex things. I wanted to start to do more, more cool sounding drum parts. And it was right around this time in my life, like 12 or 13, when I got introduced to this very interesting style of music that people judge me for, but it's called hardcore music and, and metal music. I'm a metalhead, okay? And when I tell people that I'm a metalhead, I know they judge me, but I don't really care, y'all. I don't care. But I get it, like metal is a weird, hardcore music is a weird acquired taste, like you've got a dude screaming in a microphone, everybody's like, I don't know what the words are, I don't know what he's saying, it's so loud, I don't even, it just sounds like noise, but what I want to tell you is that hardcore music and metal music is a drummer's best friend because hardcore music is so like rhythm-based. It's so fast and aggressive and you get to hit the drums as hard as you want to. Sometimes uh, hardcore drummers, they play really technical and fast and other times they play really slow and they're just like beating the snot out of the drum set. And as a drummer, it's kind of fun to beat the snot out of a drum set. I'm just gonna be honest with you. So early on in my life, I start dabbling into this hardcore music and metal music. I start learning how to play hardcore music I start learning how to play really fast blast beats. I start learning how to play with a double bass pedal, which is a very metal thing to do. And I got pretty good. Well, what I had done in that moment of my life was I started to dive deep into what I thought was the more exciting, the more fast technical things in life. And I kind of neglected practicing the basics. Well, I got humbled one day for leaving the basics because one year... In middle school, I think I was maybe a freshman in high school, my uncle invited our family to visit them in Nashville, Tennessee. Now you need to know this about my uncle. My uncle, his name's Lonnie Wilson. He's a studio drummer in Nashville, Tennessee, and he has played drums on pretty much every single country song you've ever heard. He's recorded that song in his studio. I'm I'm not lying with you, look him up. Lonnie Wilson, that's my uncle. And so he has played drums for like all of, the, all of the country people. He's played drums for Brooks and Dunn, Rascal Flats, uh, Dolly Parton, Tim McGraw, Carrie Underwood, Martina McBride. These are all people that my uncle has played drums for. So my uncle Lonnie Wilson's not like your crazy uncle that plays banjo. Like, he's a professional musician, right? You get the picture? So he invites my family to go visit them in Nashville. We're hanging out and we finally get the invite from my uncle. He's like, hey, he he invites me and my dad because we're both drummers. He's like, hey, you guys wanna check out the studio? And we're like, yeah, we wanna check out the studio. So he takes us to his home studio. He drives us up this beautiful hill in Nashville. It's this massive house that's sitting on the top of a hill. It's like, you can just see hills for miles and miles. We walk into this house in this entire house, think about like a 2,000, 3,000 square foot house, the entire thing is a professional recording studio. So we walk into the door, and like the second you walk into the door, there's cords everywhere. Every single bedroom has been converted into like a perfect soundproof room. There's guitars everywhere. There's mics everywhere. He took us into the master bedroom, and that was the master control room. So there's this huge mastering mixing tape a mixing board. He's got a computer in there. And then he took us to the Holy Grail. He took us to the living room, which is, you know, what was in the living room, right? The drums. So we go to the living room and I walk in this living room and it's like the most expensive, the most beautiful drum set I've ever seen. It's in the middle of the living room. It's been completely mic'd up. There's chords everywhere. And my uncle Lonnie, he just looks at me and he's like, hey, Jackson, you want to play the drums? You want to you you catch a beat? I was like, yeah, I do. So I sit down on the uh, throne, which y'all don't know. It's not called a drum seat. It's called a drum throne. That's right, because we kings. And so I sit down on the drum throne, and my uncle's like, hey, why don't you give us a beat, Jackson? And you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, dude, I'm about to show my uncle how good of a drummer I am. I'm about to show him some like crazy metal beat. And he's going to be like, Jackson, you're insane. So I sit down on the drums and I just start playing some, I don't even, it was probably really terrible, but I start playing really fast, really aggressive. And I think I'm just killing it. And my uncle, he's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 pause, Jackson, calm down. He's like, hey, being a drummer is about driving the bus. I was like, What? He was like, dude, being a drummer is not about being fancy, it's about supporting the band. You don't need to play fancy, you just need to drive the bus. You just need to feel the music, keep tempo. And I'm like, dude, you play country, you don't even know what you're talking about, (laughs) Uncle Lonnie. Telling my professional drummer uncle that he doesn't know what he's talking about. That's what I was thinking in my head. So he looks at me and he's like, Jackson, how about this? I'm gonna put on a country song and I just want you to play to the beat. Like I just want you to keep tempo, feel the music, and play to the beat. So he puts on this country song. And it's all twangy. It's like, baby, lock them doors and turn. Them. And so the, the, the song starts to play. And I can't play to the beat. Like, I'm a drummer. And I couldn't play to a simple beat. And you know why? It was because I neglected the Fundamentals. It's because I neglected the fundamentals. I wanted to go past everything that I thought was elementary and lame, and I wanted to move towards what was exciting and flashy and loud. But when I did that, I couldn't even, I was a drummer, and I couldn't even keep the beat. I was a drummer that couldn't even drive the bus. I couldn't even feel the music and support the band. And I walked away from this encounter with my uncle, realizing that I had a revelation about the power of the fundamentals the power of the basics. You see, behind all of the complex and the loud was a drummer, me, who could not keep temple. And you know, I think that's a really good picture of a lot of believers, a lot of Christians that we find in the world today. We find a lot of Christians and a lot of believers, they want the loud, the impactful, the powerful, the zealous walk with God, but they don't want to learn the fundamentals, they want to be seen as this powerful, super spiritual person. And I'm not saying it's bad to be zealous, to, 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 to pursue the gifts of the Spirit, to all those things. All those things are great. But sometimes I think what we want is this loud, powerful, charismatic, or, or super deep faith when we don't even have the fundamentals. And what happens we, is we end up being Christians that don't know how it is and what it means to be a Christian, What I sense happening in the world today with young people in particular, is they want this loud, this powerful faith, but they don't wanna take time for the fundamentals. And so this is what this whole series is all about, the classics, the fundamentals of what it means, what you signed up for. You know when you said yes to Jesus? A lot of people do that and they don't know what they signed up for. I don't want you to be that person. I want you to know and be prepared with everything that you need. I love this quote from Wayne Grudem. He says, I am convinced that there is an urgent need in the church today for much greater understanding of Christian doctrine or systematic theology. Look at this. Not only pastors and teachers need to understand theology in greater depth, the whole church needs to understand theology. One day, by God's grace, may we have churches full of Christians who can discuss, apply, and live the doctrinal teachings of the Bible as readily as they can discuss the details of their own jobs or hobbies, or the fortunes of their favorite sports team or television program. Man, that's my prayer for you, New Song students, that you can talk about the Bible as easily as you talk about basketball. You could talk about the Bible, your relationship with God, as easy it is for you to talk about that show that you're interested in. That's where we wanna be, right? But in order to do that, we have to understand the basics. Look at this, I wanna go back to that scripture we started off with, First Peter where he says this, always being prepared. Somebody say prepared. Prepared. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of your hope. So I think for most of us in the room, if I were to come up to you and I were to ask you to talk about something that you're interested in, would you be thrown off by that? Like if I asked you like, hey, you're into like football. Hey, could you tell me about football? You wouldn't be like, whoa, Pastor Jackson, I'm not ready yet. Like, I need to study up a little bit before I talk to you about football. Like, no. If I asked you about something that you were interested in, how many of you know that would just start to come out of you, right? Because it's something you love. It's something you care about. You hold deeply to your heart. You spend time doing it. Now, if that's the case for a hobby in our life, man, how much more should all of us be able to talk about our God, his word? Our relationship with him, man, much more. We should be able to talk about those things much more, these things that have eternal value for our life. Now, unfortunately, this isn't the case for most Christians, man, including pastors. Like, the reason why I even wanted to do this series is because last year, I stumbled across this video of, it was a megachurch conference, and they were hosting a panel of pastors, um, and they were doing a talk called Classical Christianity and this is not me dogging mega pastors because I came from a a mega church, and the mega church pastor that was leading this panel, he knew his stuff. Like, he was killing it. He was was doing so good leading this panel. But they're doing this panel on classic theology, and this pastor is asking these other pastors to explain very basic things like, hey, could you tell everybody what's sin? Hey, could you tell everybody what's the difference between salvation and sanctification and it broke my heart watching these pastors who lead thousands and thousands of people fumble and not be able to answer basic theological questions about the word of God now I don't really care about them I have nothing against them because I don't pastor those guys I pastor you guys so new song students my question to you is could you answer those questions like if one of your friends at school who doesn't go to church asks you, hey, dude, I don't understand sin. Could you explain to me what sin is? Could you do it? If somebody saw you and they were like, hey, I don't know how to hear the voice of God. Could you help me in my walk with Jesus? Are you in a place in your faith where you can answer that question? Now, I want you to know if you're not in a place where you can't answer that question, there is absolutely zero shame because I was there. Man, when I was your age, I couldn't answer any of those questions. But what I love about this scripture is that 1 Peter tells us that, guess what? You can be prepared. You can be ready for those conversations. And New Song students, I want you to be ready. So somebody say, there's power in the fundamentals. Okay, I've got some really tasty quotes for you guys. You guys ready for some tasty quotes? All right, I love this one. Dallas Willard, he says this. Relationship with God, as with any person, soon requires a contribution from us, which largely consists of study, being in God's word. What Dallas Woodard is saying is like, at some point in your walk with Jesus, it's going to take more than you just coming to church and hearing messages. It's going to take you contributing by getting in his word. Amen. Calvin Miller says this, Christian mystics without study are only spiritual romantics who want relationship without effort. So he's talking about Christians who, they just, want to, they just want the spiritual, but they don't want to learn God's word. He's saying that when you're like that, you want relationship with God, but you just don't want to put the effort in. Man, we don't want to be believers like that, New Song students. C.S. Lewis says this, if you do not listen or study theology, that will not mean that you have no ideas about God. Rather, it will mean you have a lot of Wrong ideas. So, who who in here would just love to have a ton of wrong ideas about God? Nobody, right? We want to know God for who he truly is, right? If that's you in the room, you have to know theology. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So, I want to talk about the what, the who, the why, and the how of theology. What, who, how, and the why. Okay, what is Theology. I'm about to hit you with a bunch of definitions. Y'all ready? Note takers, where are my note takers at? I got a bunch of definitions for you. We're going to look at the first one. Theology. Now, this breaks into two words. We got two Greek words here. We got Theo. Somebody say Theo. theo. Which is a great name. Cute little kid name, right? Theo. Might have to steal that one. I'm not going to lie. Theo means this. It means God or deity. So Theo means a spiritual being higher or above Humans. What does ology mean? Ology is a subject of study. Anybody taking geology right now or geography? What is that? It's the study of land, right? So let's put the two together. What is theology? It's the study of God. Theology is the study of God, which I don't know if you knew that, but we do theology every single week here, New Song students. Like, so this is not new information. You already knew this but we're just going deep tonight, all right? Here's the next definition. What about systematic theology? Ooh, systematic, ooh, I like that. What is that? It's any study that answers the question, what does the whole Bible teach us about any given topic? Systematic theology is going to the whole Bible to find out what the entire Bible says about prayer, or what the entire Bible says about relationships, or sin, or God. Does this make sense? Okay, I got one more definition for you. Y'all hanging in with me? Yes. The last one is this. Doctrine. Ooh, this one is a big, dense, religious-sounding word. What is doctrine? Doctrine is what the whole Bible teaches us about a particular topic. Now, I don't know if you notice, but those two definitions sound very similar, right? They almost sound like the same definition, but they're different. Systematic theology is the process of going to the Bible and seeing what it says. And doctrine is the final product. So think about it like this. It's almost like preparing a meal. Anybody ever made a meal before? What's your favorite meal to prepare? One, two, three. Alfredo's. Just Alfredo's. (laughs) Nice, nice, nice. Okay, so whatever that thing is that you like to prepare. Hey, bring it in, bring it in. Whatever that thing is that you like to prepare, listen to me. Systematic theology is the process of gathering all the ingredients together, preparing the ingredients, chopping up the ingredients, putting them in a pot, and doctrine is the final product that you get. Does that make sense? Doctrine is the final product. It's like this is what this is. It's a sandwich. (laughs) This is what this is. This is what prayer is. This is what the Bible is. That's what doctrine is. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's the what, but what about the who? Who is theology for? Is it just for pastors? No. Is it just for people who go to private school? No. No. Theology is for everybody. Everybody in this room, whether you know it or not, you do theology every single day. You live your life from a from a particular theological view. Because every person on this planet either has a certain belief about God or a certain disbelief about God that dictates everything they do in their life. That's theology. That's living from theology. Michael Lawrence says this, practical problems have theological answers. So the question is not whether you're going to be a theologian, but what kind of theologian you're going to be. The question is not, hey, are you a theologian? It's like, no, are you going to be a good theologian or a bad theologian? I want you to be a good theologian, New Song students. Okay, so we've got the who. We've got the what. What about the why? Why does theology matter? Why do you, middle school student, why do you, high school student, need to know good theology? I got three reasons for you. Y'all you ready for this? Number one is this. First one is this. Underth- understand- understanding. You gotta love those, those lists. You know what I'm saying? Understanding theology is a part of the Great Commission. Listen to this. I think so many of us are pretty familiar with the Great Commission that Jesus gave his disciples. Do you remember this? Right before Jesus ascends to heaven, what does he tell his disciples? He says, go and make Make disciples. There you go. Go and make disciples, right? That's the Great Commission. Jesus leaves his disciples and he says, go make more disciples, and typically, churches, ministries, pastors, we focus on the Great Commission and we focus it on only being going. And we tell people, hey, you need to go into your schools. You need to go into your jobs. You need to go into your teams. You need to go into your families. You need to go everywhere. Go on mission trips and tell people about Jesus. Go make disciples. Go baptize people. That's the Great Commission. But that's only part of the Great Commission. You see, we stop too early in Jesus' command. I want to show you this. Check this out. The Great Commission is not just to say, go and evangelize. Look at what Jesus says. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's where we stop. We stop right there. We say, go make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the But look at what Jesus continues to say. He says, teaching them. Somebody say, teaching them. Teaching them them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus' command to the disciples and to us is not to just go and make disciples. It was to go and teach. Think about that. Go and teach. Sometimes we focus so much on going alone alone and going is good. We need people who are willing to go. And I know that there are so many students in this room who are willing to go. And you're in here and you're like, "Yes, Jesus, use me." And that's great. But if we have a bunch of Christians that are only going and not teaching, you know what that happens? What happens is we make a lot of disciples who don't know how to be disciples. We make a lot of disciples who don't even know how to follow God. And this is where I think there's issue, I think there's a struggle or a danger in like this kind of like seeker-sensitive model of church, this seeker-sensitive model of youth ministry, where our sole focus is to water everything down so that anybody who comes in might feel comfortable and say yes to Jesus. Now, that's a, that's a good thing. We want unbelievers to be comfortable in the house of God, right? But if we water everything down and we don't teach them anything, then that means that we make a lot of Christians who have raised their hand, but they don't even know what they said yes to. Are you, are you following me, New Song students? So the Great Commission is not to just go and make disciples. It's to go and to teach people what it means to know God. So good theology actually helps us fulfill the Great Commission. Any students in the house who want to fulfill the Great Commission? Come on, I know you do. I know you do. I want to as well. But that means we have to know our stuff. Amen. Number 2 is this. Here's the second reason why. Understanding theology helps us overcome wrong ideas. Ephesians 4:13 or starting at 11 says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood. Who wants to be mature in in God? I want to be mature in God. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Who wants to look like Christ? I do. Okay, why do we need that? Look at this. So that we may no longer be like children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine and by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. New Song students, you have to understand that you will be confronted with wrong ideas. You will be confronted with wrong ideas in your life. Is there anybody in this house who would like to go to college one day? I'm not, I know not everybody needs to go to college. I get it. I dropped out of college. You know, It's okay. Like It's fine. No big deal. But if you want to go to college, you need to know one day you might end up in a secular college that is going to try and take your faith and crumble it into a million little pieces. You're going to go to a school that's going to try and say your God is dead. You're going, to try, you're going to go to a school that's going to try and tell you that your faith is just a crutch and it's not real. You might find yourself in a school that's a Christian school one day, a Christian college, and you might hear them teach you things that are wackadoo. And you need to know that it's wrong, right? You might have friends that tell you something that you need to believe that is false. How many of you know that we have a real enemy, right? We have an enemy. There's a devil who hates you, does not want you to follow God. And that same devil is going to come into your life and he's going to present to you false information that he wants you to believe. He did it to Adam and Eve in the garden. He did it to Jesus in the wilderness. He's going to do it to you. The enemy is going to present you with false information. Because y'all need to know that the devil is also a theologian. The devil knows... God's nature. A.W. Tozer says this the devil is a better theologian than any of us and is still a devil. Right? So like students, what are you going to do in those moments when you're confronted with wrong ideas? Are you prepared for that? Are you prepared? Are you prepared when the devil comes at you and he presents you with false information? Because if you're not prepared, if you don't know good theology, At the least, what's going to happen is you're going to doubt everything you've believed. And at the most, you're going to believe what's been handed to you. And you might walk away from your faith. But if you know good theology, if you know what God's word says, you can overcome false and wrong ideas just like Jesus did in the wilderness. And you can leave those wilderness seasons stronger than when you entered into them. Amen. The last reason why we need to have good theology is this. Understanding theology strengthens our relationship with God. It strengthens our relationship with God. I love this quote. I do not believe that God intended the study of theology to be dry or boring. Theology is the study of God in all his works. Theology is meant to be lived and prayed and sung all of the great doctrinal writings of the Bible are full of praise to God and personal application to life. Theology, when studied rightly, will lead to growth in our Christian life and to worship. What's that, what that's saying is the more you know about God's word, guess what? The more you fall in love with God. The more you know about theology, the more you're going you're gonna to think, man, God, you are amazing. You're the best thing I've ever seen. I'm never gonna look at any false thing because I know how good you are, amen? Amen. So what's the how? I'm gonna really have to crank through these because this is a chunky message tonight. I'm sorry, y'all, but does anybody get anything out of this tonight? Let's go. Okay, finally, what's the how? How do we practice theology? How do we study theology? I'm gonna go through these quick. The first is prayerfully because studying theology is not like studying algebra. (laughs) When you study theology, guess what? You're meeting with God. And so we need to do it prayerfully. We need to say, Holy Spirit, help me to understand what I need to understand, right? The second thing we need to do is we need to study theology humbly. I love this quote. It's a little long, but I think it's worth reading. It says this. Those who study systematic theology will learn many things about the teachings of Scripture that are perhaps not known well by other Christians in their church or by relatives They may also find that their understandings about the things of Scripture, that they might understand things that some of their church officers do not understand, or that even their pastor has perhaps forgotten or never learned. Well, this is so good, y'all. Lean in with me. Lean in with me, please. In all of these situations, it would be very easy to adopt an attitude of pride and superiority towards others who have not made such study. Look at this. But how ugly... It would be if anyone were to use this knowledge of God's word simply to win arguments or to put down fellow Christians in conversation or to make another believer feel insignificant in the Lord's work. Man, that is a good quote right there. So what that's saying is we study theology humbly and we don't start to walk around like, dude, I know so much more about the Bible than you. And we don't listen to pastors preach and we think like, oh, that's wrong. And that pastor is a heretic, and I need to never listen to them ever again. No, 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 no. We study theology humbly. We study it for me, not for you. I study it so I can know God, right? Humbly. The third is this we study theology communally. That means together. Somebody say together. I'm just gonna be honest with y'all. There are some weird people on YouTube that have some weird beliefs about theology. And you know why? It's because they're studying God's word by themselves, and they've got nobody telling them, hey, that's wrong. You need to not say that. So we need to be studying theology together, right? Have accountability for one another. Number four, we need to study theology wholly. And I'm not talking about like holy, like God. I'm talking about like the whole Bible. When you study theology, you don't just pick the verses that you want. You look at all the Bible. Somebody say all. 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 And number five? We study theology joyfully, right? Amen. Amen. We study theology joyfully. Okay, part me- one of the message done And I am way out of time. So we're going to figure this out. Part two. This is going to be a lot shorter. But we got to look at the doctrine of the Word of God. Really quickly, New Song students, before we wrap up, this is, we're starting off this series with this the doctrine of the word of God, because this is the most important doctrine out of any of the doctrines. It's more important than, you might think like, Jackson, the, you're saying that the word of God is more important than the study of who God is? Jackson, you're saying that the study of God's word is more important than Jesus? Yes, hear me. Look at this. God's word is the first one that we're gonna start with, and here's why. Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed, profitable for teaching and for reproof, for correction, for training, for righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete in every good work, lacking in nothing. I'm going to have to skip that verse, but I've got one quote. I've got two quotes, two good quotes about the Bible. Y'all ready for these? This one's so good. Charles Spurgeon, look at this. Charles Spurgeon, the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and it will defend itself. Oh, oh, that's so good. That gets me fired up. I don't know if that gets you fired up, but that gets me fired up. The word of God is like a lion. A.W. Tozer says this, the word of God, when well understood and religiously obeyed, is the shortest route to spiritual perfection. And we must not select a few favorite passages to to the exclusion of others. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. Amen. Now, you may be asking, Okay, Jackson, why is the doctrine of the Word more important than the doctrine of God? Why is the doctrine of the Bible more important than, like, the cross or Jesus, right? Why? Well, here's why. This is going to sound really shocking. It's going to sound a little blasphemous, but it's not. (laughs) Please trust me. Listen to this. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you're a person who believes in God. Hang in with me. Being a Christian does not mean that you're a person who believes in God. Lots of people believe in God. Lots of people say they believe in God. Lots of people say that, and they're actually not Christians. So an important question for us to ask, and I'm not saying that if somebody says they believe in God, you need to personally ask them this, (laughs) I'm saying, in your mind, don't be a jerk about this. I'm saying, in your mind, you need to ask yourself this question. When somebody says, yeah, I believe in God, just some random person on the street, or when somebody says, God, I thank you for this achievement that I've gotten, and I'm on the stage, and I'm thanking God, what you need to ask yourself is, what God? What God are you talking about? Like, you say you believe in God. When you say you believe in God, who are you talking about? It's kind of like if you know a person who has a name that other people share, which is pretty much everybody on the planet, right? <laughs> I don't think anybody has like the most unique name on the planet. So we all share a name with somebody. So if I were to come up to you and I were to say, hey, do you know Josh? If I were to say, hey, do you know Josh? What would you say? You would say, well, I know a lot of Josh's. So then what do you need to do? You need to start narrowing down the person you're talking about. And you might say, well, what Josh are you talking about? Are you talking about Josh Blunt? Are you talking about Josh Romano? Are you talking about Josh Canali? Are you talking about Josh Wilson? Are you talking about Josh that goes to OCS? Are you talking about Josh that goes to Edmund North? Are you following me? In the same way, in the same way, just because somebody shares the same name as you doesn't mean they're the same person as you. Just because somebody says that they believe in God does not mean that they believe in the same God or serve the same God that you serve, New Song students. And this is good for us to know. This is why we need the word of God. Here's why. This is going to be on the screen if you want to take notes, if you want to take a picture of this. This is huge. As followers of Jesus, you are committed to love, serve, follow, and know a God who has chosen to reveal himself through the Bible. Like you don't just serve a God in general, you serve and you love the God of the Bible. You know what that means? We serve a God who's very real. He's spirit. He created the whole universe. He loves humanity. He loves you. Our God really did put on human skin and come down to this earth in a point in history and he's gonna come and do it again, amen, right? We serve that kind of God But he chose to reveal himself to the world through his word. And this is why the doctrine of the word of God is the most important doctrine. We have to start with this because the God that we're talking about is the God of the Bible. Not any other God. No lesser God. We're talking about God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. Are you following me, New Song students? A couple of passages about God's word, and then I'm going to wrap up because... I just don't have time to finish my message, y'all. I'm really sorry. Might have, to do a, might have to do a part three next week, all right? But Ben, you guys can come up. Isaiah 55, verse 11, it says this. It says, so shall my word be that it goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purposed, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says this, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. The word of God stands forever. This last one is so crucial, New Song students. Take this, take this one uh, home, read it, meditate on it. It says, I will worship you, Psalm 138, I will worship you towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. You have magnified your word above all your name. Think about this. God has elevated his own word above his own name. You know what that tells me about God? God wants you to know that he is a God of his word. That means he's a God you can Trust. Boyce says this, it would be as if God was saying, I value my integrity above everything else. Above everything else, I want to be believed. And when you think about this scripture in the context of relationship, man, this makes so much sense because, like, for, for my wife Haley and I, I would rather Haley trust me than know facts about me, right? Like, it doesn't help that Haley knows that I like to skateboard or that I like hardcore music or that I go to New Song Church. That doesn't build our relationship. What builds our relationship is the fact that I need to be a man of my word. Trust is the thing that all relationships are built on. So you know how God built his relationship with us? He gave us his word that never changes, it lasts forever. He elevated his word above his own name so that you and I could know Everything in his word is absolutely true. You can trust it. You can build your life on his word. Amen. Because he's a God who built his word. He built everything around his word so we can be a a people who build our life on his word. So I got four takeaways. I'm gonna be really quick with these and then we're gonna pray, have some awesome time of altar ministry. But there's four things you need to know about God's word. You gotta understand that God's word is number one, it's authority. It's ultimate authority. authority. You know what that means? That scripture said that all of God's word was God-breathed. That means it's not a man book. It's a God book. So that means when when you disobey the book, you disobey God. That means when you don't trust the book, guess who you don't trust? God. That means when you love the book, when you obey the book, when you spend time in the book, who are you spending time with? God. God's word is ultimate authority. That means that it doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter where the world's going. We don't look to the world for our answers. We go to the word first and we go to the word last. The word has the first say, it has the final say, it has ultimate authority over our life as believers. Amen. The second thing you need to know about the word is this, and this encourages me y'all, is clarity, the doctrine of clarity. You know what this means? This means that God is clear. And you know, sometimes we, we, we use the excuse that God's word is unclear, and that's why we don't get in it. It's too confusing, it's too hard to read. And I get that, I've been there before. But there's a doctrine of the clarity of God's word that says that, no, 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 God's word is clear. And it's so clear that children should know God's word. Deuteronomy 6 says this, And these words that I have commanded you shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit at your house. That's not just like talking about like memorizing scripture. That's saying that God's word is so clear and so simple that even children can talk about God's word. You need to know that everything that you need to know about God, he is so clear, he's so kind, he put it in the Bible for you and I to know so we can know him. The third thing is this, and I'm almost done, is the necessity of God's word. The necessity of God's word. You know what that means? That means that God's word is necessary for you in your walk with Christ. That means that you can't grow as a believer until you're in God's word. Like you are going to hit a wall if you're trying to know God, hear his voice, even go through this life without being in the word of God. Scripture says that the word of God is bread for our spirits. And so if you go, you know, 21 days without eating bread, how many of you are gonna be a little hungry, right? Some of us are walking around and our spirits are starving. You know why? It's because the word of God is necessary for you. And the last one is this, I'm gonna close with this. The word of God is... Sufficient, sufficient. You know what that means? That means that it's good to go to commentaries. I go to commentaries. That means that it's good to read books about prayer. I read books about prayer. That means it's good to sit under messages and hear pastors preach to you, but you need to know that the word of God is enough. If all you had was the word of God, it would be enough for your life. God's word is sufficient. God's word says that when you're in it and you listen to it and you hear it, it builds your faith. The more you're in God's word, in God's word alone, the more your faith gets built, the stronger you get spiritually. And I wanna close with this passage of scripture, beautiful passage of scripture. Jeremiah 15, 16. It says this, your words were found and I ate them. Your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart for I am called by your name Oh Lord God of hosts. Man, that's my prayer for us New Song students in this series, that as we're digging into God's word, as we're digging into theology, that God's word would be like the joy and the rejoicing of our hearts. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me?